This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report, episode 239 on a beautiful and lovely Wednesday evening, September 20th. I am Will Byram, joined as always by my co-host Trevor Hoolan. Here at the Door Report, we are presented by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you are a first-time homebuyer or looking to move homes in the Nashville area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615 615- Nine six seven eight six two three, or you can reach out to Corey via email at Corey Perkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Thank you to Corey for continuing to support the Purgatory Report. Whoops, <laughs> not the Purgatory Report, the Door Report. Trevor, it's been dark days for the Vanderbilt fan base and the and Commodore Nation out there. A lot of infighting, a lot of dumb comments, a lot of dumb commentary, but that's all to be expected. Thank you, Vanderbilt fans, for being irrational and arguing within the fan base and acting like an SEC fan base, Com- being completely irrational, just lashing out at the most prevalent players, not even really digging in to the issues within this team or being realistic. Thank you, Vanderbilt fans. Finally. Finally acting like an irrational, spoiled, entitled SEC fan base. We love that here at the Door Report, Trevor. It's part of the revolution. It's been a bad weekend, man. It's been a bad weekend. So it's just, Will, I'm just tired. I'm just tired, man. Trevor's tired. I'm tired. Our lives have picked up busyness. Uh, currently, Trevor pursuing a master's. Uh, my work has been going through quite a bit of change. So for the foreseeable future, at least this week and next week, we'll just be releasing one episode per week, weekly, versus we have been doing two separate recap episodes and preview episodes. Next week, I'm flying out to Seattle midweek. So we will probably be recording the recap and preview Tuesday night. Tuesday, yes, sir. Tuesday night of next week. So That'll be coming a little bit earlier in the week than this episode, but on episode 239, we have a beefy, beefy, beefy episode. We have a brief UNLV recap and reaction. Uh, We have me and Trevor's three key takeaways from the 40 to 37 disappointing loss in Las Vegas. Then we have the Kentucky preview. Vanderbilt starts the SEC schedule, opens up at home at 11 a.m. on SEC Network as 14-point underdogs against the 3-0 Kentucky Wildcats will give a brief preview of Kentucky. Some names that will sound very familiar to Vanderbilt fans. Me and Trevor will give our three keys to the game. 
and our predictions. And we have some fan predictions I definitely want to get to this week uh, regarding the Kentucky game. But before we get into all that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. Trevor, it's now time for breaking news. All right, Trevor. It was inevitable. People were asking where the recap was. Me and Trevor needed a little time to cool down. We a, did. A mental health break, That's some exactly. could say, even though it didn't prevent me from rewatching a lot of that Vanderbilt UNLV game to make sure my initial angry takes at the team overall were not incorrect. Some of my initial takes were wrong. A lot of the things that I saw and had in my brain from the live watch were very correct. So we'll get into all that. Vanderbilt loses to the UNLV running Rebels 40-37, to moving the doors to 500-2-2. and Initial thoughts after that performance and what we saw in it in an insane, I think, is an accurate way to describe that game. The win, I don't know if you saw it, the win projection or whatever ESPN the does. ESPN, yeah, like, yeah yep. that projects the percentage chance of winning. UNLV at one point late in that game had like a 90-something percent chance of winning that game. Vanderbilt got that interception, moved Vanderbilt to like 99%. And then on one pass, UNLV, that win projection flipped all the way the other direction to a 99% chance that UNLV was going to win that game. So a crazy game, insane game. How are the vibes, Trevor? Uh, first off, we just want to give a give a shout out to all of our loyal listeners who are asking where the uh, where the where the recap was. We absolutely love you guys, and as we say week in week out, there is no TDR without you guys. Um, with that being said, thank you guys for understanding. This is not a shtick right now. This is not a gimmick. Uh, we really just needed a break. Like it was. I don't. Also, we needed the break. We just needed a but break. Man. There's also like. You had a paper to write for your master's. I did. I was coming. I literally was coming back home from a bachelor party to where I got no sleep. Shout out to my homie Nathan and his uh, his wonderful fiance, Dominique. Well, they're actually married. Um, wife, Dominique. So shout out to Dominique. Um, it was an absolutely wonderful bachelor party. Uh, but I came straight home from a bachelor party and then I had to take a test and write a paper for my master's. So, so there were some schedule conflicts. There was some mental health aspect to it. I would say a majority was we were just tired. We were, man. We just, just tired. Yeah, that's a good I just yeah. But initial thoughts is I'm dude, I I don't want to be super negative and I think that it's good that we sort of push this back so that I can maybe be a little bit more level-headed, but dude, I'm just in a bad spot, man. Like it feels so rough, and I feel like – I don't want to say that, like, we're partially to blame because I don't think we did anything wrong, but, like, we th- dude, we thought there was so much hype going into the season. And, like, it, the season isn't over. They're 2-2. Two and two. Yes, like Clark says, there are wins on the table. Coach B, yada, yada, yada. I don't care, man, dude. This was a kick to the nuts, dude. This was – This pretty much el- – This was a blow to the head. This pretty much eliminated without – an unforeseen 500 record in SEC play that I don't see happening in the next eight games. This eliminated the initial goal of the season, which is a bowl game. That's a lot to say only 33% of the way through the season. 
but Vanderbilt fans have seen this in the past. Your wins have to come from non-conference games. Absolutely. You have to win three non-conference games with this team, with this schedule, even with a down SEC. I also don't don't like to say that we are to blame. It's a unique part of the Vanderbilt fan experience because Vanderbilt football has been down for so long. But I despise that Vanderbilt fans' immediate reaction to the failure of a program is to attack other fans that believe something might change. Yeah, dude, that's I, bogus. Yeah, I'm not saying that we were that TDR, me and Trevor were predicting Vanderbilt to go 12 and 0 and to win and to win the SEC you and to be com- and yeah, five. 7 and 5, 6 and 6. I think I predicted 7 and 5. I predicted 7 and 5. And as that well. was that was like but I would be very I could also expect I'm leaning more towards 6 and 6 than I am 8 and 4. So it was yeah. a seven and five with a lean towards six and six. That's not crazy expectations. That was the goal. That's not unrealistic. When you look at the returning talent on this roster, that's how any other SEC fan base would have predicted a season trajectory going after the, this same team basically went five and seven last season with the entire O line, basically, the entire D line, basically, the entire linebacking core outside of Anthony Orgy returning. Yep. A lot of returning talent at safety, a lot of returning talent at wide receiver. You lost your starting running back, but you thought the horses could get it done behind AJ Swan. Mm-hmm. It hasn't come together. No. But to then just attack fans that were actually, I won't even say fully buying in, but just hoping for brighter lights ahead. I just finally thought change was around the corner. Yeah, you need to be pointing that criticism at the staff. You need yeah. to be pointing that at the performance you've seen, not fans that are disappointed as well in the performance. We all, as Vanderbilt fans, This sucks for everyone. This is a fan podcast that tries to step back and be realistic. We are not VandySports.com. We are not Vandy 24-7. We're not Robbie. Okay? If there is hope to be had, we're going to try to find it, but that doesn't mean we're going to be unrealistic Mm -hmm. and predict this team to be competing for an SEC championship. So I had to get that off my chest. I hate the immediate reaction being, yeah, fellow Vanderbilt fan, you're an you're an you, idiot. You idiot. You you're dumb. an idiot for thinking anything would be different. I'm like they went. I've been around for 50 years, and I I never thought there'd be change. I'm like, of course, I really didn't believe there would be either. But I think Vanderbilt can make a bowl game every now and then. And they went 0 and 9 under Derek Mason, 2 and 10 in year one under Clark Lee, 5 and 7 in year two under Clark Lee, with a lot of returning talent. Six and six, seven and five wasn't a crazy prediction nor unrealistic. So if you looked at the sample size, you'd have said, oh, the trajectory is going up. Yes. If you looked at the raw data, you're like, "Okay, this is a logical conclusion to come to. And we were wrong. Time to get back to the drawing board and figure some things out because success and the path forward is not always a straight line. And Vanderbilt has certainly taking a step back with a loss with two straight losses to Wake Forest and UNLV getting into the box score from last week's game AJ Swan 17 of 35 for 335 yards three touchdowns and one pick a 34.2 QBR not a horrible performance not a great performance got dinged up about halfway through with an elbow contusion Yeah, also couldn't freaking could had a hard time gripping the damn ball in the second half. And folks want to whine and moan and say AJ Swan's the problem. We should be on our hands and knees thanking God that we have AJ Swan in this team. If there's no AJ Swan in this team, we get dumpstered in this ball game. You sound like Homelander right now. 
Dude, you should be thanking God. You need me. This team needs to save you. This team needs AJ Look. Swan. And to say that he's the problem is so and it makes me mad. It 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 really bothers me to my core. There are issues to be found at pretty much every single position group across the board on this Vanderbilt roster. There's nobody blameless, not even friend of the pod Wesley Shelling, not even the punting unit. Every single part of this team can take some blame. But as Meek Mill said, there are levels to this shit. And right now, quarterback play is at the bottom of that list of complaints. Is Has A.J. Swan been perfect? Absolutely not. Nope. Has A.J. Swan made bad decisions? Absolutely. But he is not the reason this Vanderbilt football team is losing right now. No. Ken Seals came in. Went one for two, two yards, missed a wide open Jade McGowan in the seam that possibly would have been a touchdown. Not possibly. That would have been that a would touchdown. That would have been a touchdown. That's his backup. So if you have an issue with AJ Swan, I think Ken Seals is a good backup. We're a Ken Seals supporting podcast. Dog. Dog. <laughs> but right now, AJ Swan is so clearly the most talented quarterback on the roster, A. And just in general. If you have watched other football teams, specifically within the SEC, A.J. Swan would be the starting quarterback on more than 50% probably. A.J. Swan would start for the Alabama Crimson Tide right Oh, now. absolutely. A.J. Swan Without would start for Alabama. A.J. Swan would probably start for Florida. Probably. He would start for Missouri. Missouri was booing that cat. Brady Cook. Uh, yeah. Brady Cook. I mean, I'm not. We don't have to name off the teams. Will Rogers? He would start over Will Rogers there, right now. It's just I, I'm not saying AJ Swan right now is a Heisman contender. I'm not saying he's an All SEC quarterback. But even. to blame him is late. But he is not the reason for the losses. The no. offense in general has not been amazing, but it has not been the reason for the losses. And if anything. The reason for the losses is the running game and the offensive line, which we will get to yep. more in our key takeaways from the game. Vanderbilt's rushing attack struggled. Overall, as a team, 38 carries for 83 yards, 2.2 yards per carry with a long of 13 yards from A.J. Swan with the long rush during the game. Patrick Smith, 13 carries, 43 yards, 3.3 yards per carry. Seti Alexander, 7 carries for 14 yards. A.J. showing off the wheels just a little bit. I say that. Showing off the wheels. He looked, uh -huh. dude. I mean, shout out he, to shout out to him for putting his body on the line yeah. with injury history and just going slide. out there. Uh, we want to see a slide, slide and get out of yes. bounds. There's no reason to lower the shoulder, AJ. There's no reason. I get reason. it, dude. You, uh, you want to send a message, and dude, I respect that, but you're too valuable. Yeah, you're can. too valuable. But uh, Chase Gillespie seems to have really fallen behind Cedric Alexander in that rotation. Three carries for four yards. Jaden McGowan, one carry for three yards. On the receiving end, London Humphreys, big play, Mr. Big Play, London MF Humphreys, three catches for 102 yards and a touchdown. Will Shepard, five catches, 97 yards, kind of a quiet game, even though he had five catches for 97 yards. By Will Shepard's standards, even though it was his largest receiving uh, yardage game of the season, Jaden McGowan, Mr. Consistency, five catches for 81 yards. Quincy with the big touchdown catch from outer space. Where the where has he been? Where the hell has he been? One catch for 43 yards and a touchdown. He the hamstring looked fine on that play, Clark. <laughs> yeah, it did, dude. I'm not I'm not gonna hide my language anymore. Put Quincy Skinner Jr. in the fucking game. He is the second most talented receiver. He's a physical freak on the other side. It is a sham 
unless there are some injuries that are not being made public and he's truly limited. He is an unbelievably talented receiver that has capitalized on nearly every opportunity he has ever been given during his career, whether it's the game-saving Kentucky catch last year that everybody forgets about, Mm -hmm. whether it's a 43-yard touchdown reception against UNLV, whether it's a two-point conversion against Hawaii, where he he slipped and still made the play. Get him on the damn field, Clark. He, what is this? He I dusted like- double coverage with a with a. a I'm mean, he might have a bad hamstring. He dusted a DB in man and the safety over top with a bad hamstring. It, he reminds me. It it's one of those weird things. He's not the same player. I'm not saying he's the same guy. But do you remember Amir Abdurrahman? Yeah, the goat. That. He never, goal, he but. was never consistently played under Derek Mason. He was never consistently on the field, but he was a physical freak that it felt like every time he got the ball thrown to him, he caught the damn pass. Yep. And then he just couldn't stay on the field. I don't know what, does he not know the playbook? Because Quincy Skinner Jr., no slight to Jaden McGowan because Jaden's a slot guy, a playmaker, different, but he, he, yeah, he doesn't play the same position. So I'm not taking a shot at him and I'm not taking a shot at London Humphreys. But Quincy Skinner Jr. right now is a different level receiver than London Humphreys is. London Humphreys is a true freshman, great player, will be a great and is a very good wide receiver right now, will be a great wide receiver. But Quincy Skinner Jr. just needs to be on the field more. He just does. I don't give a shit what they're seeing in practice. It makes no sense. He's 6'3", 225, and he looks 0% like percent body fat. looks like he's chiseled out of stone. Put him on the other side of Will Shepard, and I guarantee he will make plays. I want to see more Quincy. I don't understand why we are not. It. I mean, I don't know. I guess they uh, – never mind. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> going, to, going to the defensive side of the ball, two sacks for Vanderbilt. Uh, Trudel Berry let, and Ethan Barr tied for a lead with total tackles on the team with nine. Trudel Berry had six solo tackles. BJ Diakite, six total tackles. One sack, one and a half tackles for loss. Kane Patterson, Dericky Wright also had six tackles. Kane had one tackle for loss. Martell Height and CJ Taylor and John House all had five tackles. Brian Longwell, Nate Clifton, and Wataha all had four tackles. I won't continue down that list, but Miles Capers also did have one sack during the game. Defense performed poorly. Just to briefly go through, UNLV's freshman backup quarterback, Jaden Maiava, 19 of 33 for 261 and a touchdown. They also, as a team, UNLV as a team, ran for 40 40 times for 127 yards and two touchdowns. The defense was thrashed. Mm -hmm. Ricky White from UNLV, 12 catches, 165 yards. Could not stop that kid. Couldn't stop him. Just a reminder, this was a true freshman. I don't know if it's actually a true freshman. A freshman quarterback from the Mountain West Conference was lacing up Vanderbilt's defense. The moment Brumfield went down with an injury early in the game, I went, oh, shit. This guy's about to come in and absolutely eat us alive. Just and I was a total right. Vandy move. It Just, was a total Vandy every move. Every Vandy fan felt that in their soul. The casual fan watching that game said, UNLV just lost their starting quarterback. Vanderbilt's got an easy path to victory. Now, I didn't. Nope. I saw that freshman coming in and lacing up Vanderbilt, and that is simply what happened. Trevor, let's get into a very brief recap because I don't have it in my heart and soul to go through a detailed recap of this game as the washer and dryer are picking up steam in the background. I hope you cannot hear that through the recording. First quarter, Vanderbilt jumps out to a 10-0 lead. Martell Height with a pick six that I think all Vanderbilt fans needed in their heart and soul. Brumfield goes out with an injury. 
but it was all a tease. Vanderbilt <laughs> starts starts the game up 17 to nothing. And by the end of the first half, going into halftime, Vanderbilt is losing 20 to 17 in the most Vanderbilt way to be down three points to UNLV on the road at halftime. UNLV went on to score 30 unanswered points. 30. I want to repeat that. UNLV, with a backup quarterback, scored 30 unanswered points after Vanderbilt jumped out to a 17 to nothing lead. UNLV led 30 to 17. Vanderbilt scores in the third quarter at the end of the third, 30 to 24. UNLV, UNLV leads. And then anybody listening to this watched the game. An insane fourth quarter, back and forth, multiple times, Vanderbilt fans given hope and having it immediately crushed. We'll get into this in our key takeaways, I'm sure. At the end of the game, in cover three, 20-something seconds remaining, no timeouts from UNLV. Vanderbilt calls a timeout after UNLV runs the ball up the middle, clearly just trying to take the game to overtime. Clark Lee, on the camera, says, as the t- after the timeout is called, said, who the fuck called that timeout? No answer. One of the players on the field, I guess, did a piss poor job preparing this team. They were. This is a poorly coached football team. It just is right now. Yep, no other way Immediately to play playing cover three, Martel Height gets beat not only deep, but also to the sideline. Where you where where that's the strong point. That is the whole point of cover three. Is that deep boundary? That's that's what you take that, away. That's what cover. Maybe you should have been in cover four. Maybe you should add two safeties deep. That's that's a coaching decision. But in cover three, your job is a third of the field in cover three. I played cornerback. Not well, but I played it for a year and a half. I know what cover three is, which is why, Trevor, we actually had a funny little argument earlier where you were like, no, they were in man. And I was like, no. I got, yeah, I got because, the play. I, I was on the yeah, John because I was man coverage play. I was yelling at my TV live as that play happened because I thought when my Ava threw that pass, I was like, oh, that's a pick. I clearly saw that Martel Hyde is in deep cover three. So he should be behind that play, and this is just basically a throw-it-up punt almost yeah, from punt. UNLV, and it wasn't. No. Martel Height got beat deep and to the sideline. That's the double-edged sword of playing the more talented freshman. That was a freshman mistake. You saw that a lot, whether it was Cedric Alexander missing the hole on a run that would have resulted in 10, 15-yard gain and trying to bounce it outside. There's going to be freshman mistakes. I don't know how that happens. Mm-hmm. After the timeout, The only your only job as a corner there is not to get beat deep. It just can't happen, and it lost Vanderbilt the game. Trevor, how did you feel after the game? Because I simply felt, in one word, defeated. Um, I just, I just, like, turned off the game, and I just, like, sat – at this table at a bachelor party. I just like, they were all having a good time. And I just like closed my laptop and I just like looked out the window. They were like, man, that sucks. I'm really sorry. And I was like, I, I understand you guys are being kind and I do appreciate it, but just uh, please don't talk to me right now. Um, I said, I knew I was in a bad place and you agreed because Tennessee got dominated. And I didn't even enjoy by it. Florida. Couldn't even. enjoy I, it. I, Yeah, exactly. I didn't even care. I and that's, that's when I yep. know I'm in a bad place is whenever Tennessee loses in embarrassing fashion or just loses in general. And I can't enjoy it. One iota. That's, that's how you know that, that I'm in a, I was in a bad, I couldn't, I really, this is not an exaggeration. Like you can ask like 
my best friend Jacob, he was like, I, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep that Saturday night. Like I just like stayed up and I was like, dude, I guess this is just like, maybe this is just like the rest of my life. Maybe, maybe there actually is no light at the end of the tunnel. TDR will always be here. Me and Trevor will always be Vanderbilt fans. I will always be a Vanderbilt I'll never fan. Stop cheering for no the matter what I say. But this game, this hurt, any, man. we've said it. Mo- there's barely any light left. Okay. The soul is already crushed. You can't break what's already broken. I'm already very broken. I just turned off the TV and sat in complete silence in the dark in this apartment for about 20 minutes. And I always kind of jokingly said, I'm not sure what I enjoy more, a Vanderbilt win or a Tennessee loss. Ha, ha, ha. My two favorite teams are Vanderbilt and whoever's Tennessee's playing. Mm -hmm. I know for sure now that a Vanderbilt loss hurts infinitely more than a Tennessee loss feels good. It's not even close. Not even even close. Not even comparable. barely upped my mood one iota it didn't it didn't even move my mood like i was just my meter was at zero and the tennessee loss moved my meter to zero they, mm-hmm. it didn't help in any way but trevor we still have the kentucky preview to get to let's get to our three keys before we take our cocktail break here and then we'll move to the kentucky preview what's your key takeaway number one i'll keep from it this game? i'll keep it very brief because if i speak i will be in big trouble <laughs> yeah, that was a great meme that you tweeted. I love that. That's one of my favorites. Um, yes, I will be in deep trouble or big trouble. Um, key takeaway number one, Nick Howell sucks. So uh, what's your key number two, brother? Well, on the same theme, me and Trevor do not share these keys beforehand. Do you think? Do you think too? Like the more we live together, the more that we actually start to become one person, and like our brains start to like mesh. I think we just already were in a lot of agreement and being in the same environment with this, with this amount of insanity and mental instability is not helping the brain morph of two very mentally unstable people. I got to call my doctor and say, Hey, I need you to up my meds. I don't have a doctor. So you want mine? He's really good. Nah, I'm just going to gamble on more sports. That just... seems to work. <laughs> Makes it lets me feel something. <laughs> That's all that that's just, all I need. Just just take on life raw. Just as just, just, raw. just as our ancestors intended. Every day I raw dog life and every day life raw dogs me. That's my life motto. It used to be it is what it is. That's my more extended motto now. My key takeaway number one on that same theme, Trevor, is the current defense is a dumpster fire. I don't say that lightly. We all know as Vanderbilt fans and watching this team that a majority of Vanderbilt's success comes from out-of-conference games. Vanderbilt has played all four out-of-conference opponents. The remaining eight games on the schedule are all SEC opponents. I'm just going to read through Vanderbilt's stats. These are not cherry-picked stats. These are very commonly used stats to evaluate a defense. And I'm going to tell you where... I'm going to have you guess... Well, I'm not going to have you guess. It's too many stats. I'm just going to read through these. Tell Let you where, guess one. yeah, tell you where Vanderbilt ranks and what their current statistic is, and for the opponents that Vanderbilt has faced: Hawaii, Alabama A&M, Wake Forest without their starting running back and start and best receiver and linebacker and linebacker, but that doesn't play into defense. Yeah. And you have played UNLV, and these are Vanderbilt's current defensive stats. Where do you think Vanderbilt ranks in passing yards per game given? Oh up? God. 
Honestly, like probably last or second to last in all of college football. Not quite that bad, Trevor. Am I close, though? But you're close. Vanderbilt ranks 105th in the country in passing yards per game. Giving and that's up. out of, what, 129? Yeah, 129, 130. They changed the number of FBS oh programs, but God, around 130 so teams. 105th bad. in the country, 274.3 yards per game given up through the air. Total yards per game. Vanderbilt ranks 96th, 426 yards per game. And that's in what again? What do you mean? What they're ninety six and what the country and what total yards total per yards game? per oh. game? This is these are all defensive stats. This is all okay. Vanderbilt's defense. Vanderbilt ranks a hundred and twenty fourth in the country in third down conversion percentage. Defense is giving up over fifty two percent of third downs. Their third down defense is horrible. Oh my! Ninety eighth in the country in fourth down conversion percentage. Teams are converting seventy five percent of their fourth downs against Vanderbilt. In pass completion percentage, Vanderbilt is one hundred and fifth in the country, giving up a sixty six point three three percent completion rate through the air. Vanderbilt ranks seventy sixth in rushing yards per game, giving up one hundred and fifty one point seven per game. In rushing yards per carry, seventy second. Four yards per carry. Sack percentage, the best defensive stat that I have here. 60th in the country. 6.67% of dropbacks result in sacks. Only 48.17% of passing plays against Vanderbilt so far have been passing plays of total plays. So 48.17% of total plays from opponents have been passing plays. Those plays have accounted for almost 65% of the yardage given up by Vanderbilt's defense. And Vanderbilt is 125th in the country in second quarter scoring defense, giving up 16 points per game in the second quarter, which means the moment that these teams get a look at what Vanderbilt is doing defensively, they have it figured out within a quarter, adjust, and are immediately able to score on Vanderbilt. And keep in mind, Vanderbilt is giving up 16 points per game in the second quarter on defense. That's with Alabama A&M scoring three points in an entire half against this defense as Vanderbilt led 12-3 to at half. So that's my key takeaway, number one, with stats to back it up because men lie and numbers don't. The current defense, Nick Howe, is a dumpster fire. Dude, you gotta, I, and, and I understand. I've been on record as of this week, and I said, you gotta let Howell go. I, I want him gone during the season. With that being said, Jackson. I he, I just know he's not going. I, I know that's not something that Clark's gonna do, but dude, Clark, I, you're, I know you're not listening. I know you don't care about this podcast whatsoever, but if something has to change, it's. The back, our backs are against the wall, and our health meter is at two percent. Something has to change. You have, I know you're not going to fire in midseason. You got to take over defensive play calling. You, you have to. Desperate times call for desperate measures. You have to do something right now. You should have done something during the offseason. Honestly, you should have fired him and Dan Jackson last year. You should have fired Dan Jackson right before the South Carolina game, but I guess you don't have the stones. Um, He caused a media firestorm and gave you a golden opportunity to fire him. And even without the media firestorm, he probably should have been fired because he's that bad at his job when coaching the secondary. Um, I I don't know know if he had, I don't think he has it in him. And that's the, and that's the the numbers are there. What they tell me, the rushing, de- the run defense has its problems, and then we'll get to your second key. 
The run oh, defense. My second key, I'll just go ahead and say okay, it. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep it brief uh, once more. Uh, Dan Jackson sucks. That's my second key. So what's your second key, Will? Uh, on that, because my second key is a little less related to that. Uh, yeah, Dan Jackson sucks. What this, what's, what the stats tell me is the pass defense is so awful. And the secondary is so awful, specifically the corners, but the secondary is so awful. They have to provide so much support to the passing game that it that it's causing the run game to suffer. Because no matter what, you're going to struggle to stop a rushing attack if you're never able to provide support from the safeties. And the linebackers are having to focus on covering the middle of the field with no safety support. The defensive mm-hmm. line in a 3-4 system is just going to struggle. It just is. So the run defense has not been good, but you're right. Dan Jackson sucks, and this secondary sucks. How do you the stats him? play it out. How, how do you even keep him after what happened last season? The most shocking stat of it all is the third down defense to me. That's that is it, that is that is that stat should justify um an early to mid season firing. 124th in the country, opponents converting over 52% of third down opportunities. Against right less, there. Against lesser lesser Ag- exactly. Teams That's are what are doing that to you. It's not Vanderbilt has not played four SEC programs. We're not reading stats after an all SEC schedule. This is against four non SEC programs with only one Power Five program included. And three, like you said, three of those teams have no business keeping absolutely a game close. None. No three, business. Three whatsoever. of these, two of these teams Vanderbilt has played are known for not having a good passing attack. UNLV and Alabama A and M are run first teams, and Vanderbilt still has these truly horrendous passing stats on defense so my key number two is on the other side of the ball because i have some offensive stats i want to read my key number two is the run game slash offensive line emphasis on this has to improve there has been a lot of shots taken because when you lose to unlv 40 to 37 immediately everything comes under a hellstorm of criticism overall the offense has not been great but it hasn't been horrible in every statistical category except the running game. Right now, there's been a lot of criticism about turnovers and A.J. Swan. Vanderbilt right now is middle of the pack, 65th in the country on offense and interceptions per game, averaging one interception per game. Not great, not bad. Right now, Vanderbilt is 46th in points per game, averaging 30.7. 59th in yards per game, averaging 382.3. 21st in passing yards per game. 303 per game, 44th and third down conversion percentage, converting over 44% of their third downs, 47th in yards per play, 5.7 yards per play. Every stat I just read would make you believe that Vanderbilt is at least three and one after their first four opponents, except for this one. Vanderbilt is 114th in the country in rushing yards per game right now with 79.3 yards per game on the ground. That has to pick up and has to improve. I don't understand how you can be sitting at 114th in the country, averaging under 80 yards per game on the ground with the opponents you've had thus far. The run game, the offensive line, I don't have an answer. That's what I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans have right now. A lot of questions, but not a lot of answers from anyone as to why this rushing attack is struggling so badly, Trevor. Yeah, and and that fits into my key number three. And I would I would like to go on record and 
apologize personally apologize to the to Chase Gillespie and Patrick Smith for the way that I have I haven't even been that harsh on them but I've been calling for Cedric Alexander with that being said I do think Cedric Alexander is the most talented back on this team um but whenever I the, the more Vanderbilt games I watch and the more I rewatch them I acted as though Patrick Smith and Chase Gillespie were the problem and that they couldn't hit the holes. They had bad vision, X, Y, and Z. The more I watch Vanderbilt, the more it is so self-evident that it is just the offensive line not getting it done. That's my key number three. My key number three is, and you know what? I'll go, you know what? Screw it. We ball. My key number three, Coach Blazik, you're sucking right now. There's no excuse. You, you have awesome energy. You seem like a wonderful guy. Absolutely no excuse for a Vanderbilt team with this much size and this much experience on the offensive line to be playing like this. You, I, I understand that Julian Hernandez is not playing great, and that's understatement of the century. I'm going to keep it at that. Snaps are bad. Dude can't block to save his life. There is no excuse for you to have this much talent from the left side, this much talent or experience, I ought to say, from the left side of the line to the right side of the line to be this bad. And to me, that's that's coaching. If, if these guys who have been playing together for a while and in multiple seasons under their belt, multiple snaps under their belt, can't get it going right now. And it'd be one thing if, if this is after Hawaii, but we're going into game five, We've seen thirty-three percent of this season. We've seen a yes. third. That tells me that is coaching. That tells me that uh, it's scheme, uh, play calling. I don't know, but that tells me that it's coaching. a lot there's, more questions than answers. There's no excuse for a front with this much experience to be this poor. And to me, that's coaching. So, Coach Blazik, dude, you got to do do something. Whatever you're doing right now is not working. And in fact, it's not just not working. It is. It's. It's impacting this team so much. It, the offensive line is the most disappointing part of this yep. team. They're they're not the worst because we knew what the secondary was going into the season. But disappointing is the offensive line is not even close. Cannot open up a hole. You have a hard time protecting AJ Swan. You just blazing. It looks bad, dude. No excuse with this much experience on this line. No excuse whatsoever, especially especially, especially, especially when you're going up against smaller guys in these non-conference. It'd be one thing if you're getting bullied by yep. Georgia, Bama, whatever. It sucks, but I, I'm not an idiot. I've watched enough football that I get it. No excuse against these teams, none whatsoever. And to me, that goes down to coaching. And we were talking about this right before we started recording earlier today about Vanderbilt fans have watched a lot of football and know how these seasons play out. Issues that are exposed in non-conference play are magnified during SEC play. And if the offensive line is struggling this badly in non-conference play, it's going to be an absolute disaster once you face SEC fronts, even with an SEC that's down right now. Mm -hmm. And it's I still think the that's, SEC it's with still talent. the SEC with a lot of talent on those defensive fronts. So Trevor, I 100% agree. That played into my key two, but also goes into my key three pretty well, which is very straightforward and very simple. This is a poorly coached football team. 
I'm going to let a let a minute of silence there, a second of silence to let that sink in and really resonate is I'm saying that across the board. It it starts with bad snaps. It starts with miscommunication in the offensive line, and it ends with Clark Lee having to run on the field and not communicating with his team with under a minute left in the game that we're not calling timeouts and we're allowing this game to go into overtime and having to run out and say, who the fuck called that timeout? That's a poorly coached football team playing cover three and not having beaten into the brains of your players. You can't get beat deep and you most certainly can't get beat deep to the sideline. That's a poorly coached football team repeatedly having mental errors over and over and over running triple reverses. They get blown up by UNLV. That's a poorly coached football team. We haven't even seen this team face SEC competition. That is why I'm saying that unequivocally, without a doubt, this team has regressed from where it was last season. Some talent departed, not enough talent to look worse than you did last season. So I'm going to say that one. Anything to add before we hit the TDR cocktail break here, Trevor? I mean, I totally agree. Radical changes, radical change needs to happen within this coaching staff. And I understand that you don't really fire guys midseason unless you have a Dan Jackson situation like you did last year. But still, you had a Dan Jackson situation to where he made some questionable comments uh, and caused a media firestorm. And you know what? You Honestly, you should have fired him because he sucks at coaching defensive backs in the secondary, but you didn't. And then he's like, hey, you're not going to fire me because I'm bad at this. Maybe you should fire me because I'm going to make a really dumb comment on a Facebook post. But no. We kept him during the season and didn't just keep him during the season. He kept him during the offseason, brought him back. So I, I, I've been on record. I like Clark Lee. I like his vision. But, dude, man, Clark, what are, what are you doing, dude? What are we doing? For better or for worse, for correctly or wrong. How has this team regressed, dude? Like, how has it gotten worse? We hear about the fire. We hear about that behind closed doors. Supposedly, show, me. show it. We show need to me. see it right now. Clark Lee needs a sprinkle, a sprinkle of Deion Sanders. I'm bringing my luggage, and it's Louie. Right now, failure should be absolutely unacceptable, and there's no way to say it other than failure what you have seen out of this defense it's been absolutely it's a been failure a failure so the people calling for joey lynch's job yeah has the play calling been perfect no have i had issues with the play calling personally no do i think the play calling has improved from game one to game four yeah i thought the play calls were a lot better against unlv than they were against hawaii I don't think joey lynch is at the core of these problems but it's time to stop being mr nice guy clark let some I, heads roll. I get it. You want to have that stoic vision, visionary personality, stoic sideline presence, but you got to know when to let the dogs run. And Vanderbilt fans need to see something. Mm -hmm. They don't need Bryce Drew soft clapping on the sideline. That stoic demeanor only brings on more negativity because it feels like you don't fucking care. Yep, and absolutely. I know that's not true, Clark. Mm -hmm. And every criticism, this is a fan podcast, me and Trevor, don't hide it. We are Vanderbilt fans. Yep, first and I hope, foremost. I hope everything that I have said, these this coaching staff and this team proves me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I'm in a real, like, I'll believe it when I see it mode yep. from this staff. 
and and before I was in the give them a chance mode. Now I'm in. I'm not buying into any other crap that they put out until I actually see the performance on the field. And I think most Vanderbilt fans feel that way. As we bought in, now it's time to see some results. I'm not seeing the results. It's awesome to be Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Likeable, but turns out that's that might not be what wins you football games. No. That that might not be what gets the dogs going. This team feels like something is missing. But Trevor, we still have the full Kentucky preview, our three keys to the game, and we'll get into more of this, I'm sure, in the preview for Kentucky. Before we go to the cocktail break, I'll just say one last thing, and this bothers me, and then we can get to the cocktail break. You have a fan base that has seen nothing. I'm 26 years old. My dad has been a Vanderbilt football fan since 1965. My dad has seen way more bad football in my life than I have, but I've seen a lot of bad football. Vanderbilt fans have seen nothing, 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 but piss poor football their entire lives, and they still continue to support this program, and it honestly doesn't make sense. There needs to be a case study done on us uh, by Vanderbilt University. But you have a fan base that that – I don't want to say blindly, but you have a fan base that finally bought in. You had a fan base that that bought into the words whenever you said, yeah, five and seven isn't acceptable. You had a fan base that bought in whenever you said postseason play is our goal this season, and that will be our goal. And you had a fan base that bought in. And to be honest, I get it. You're first and foremost, you care about the players in the locker room. That's absolutely how it should be. But as fans, I know it's only four games, but I feel duped. Like I, I feel, I feel lied to and it's frustrating. And I like, like you said, Will, we're fans first and foremost. And I hope that in a couple of weeks we can come back and we can do a formal apology on this pod. Cause we did it with Jerry Stackhouse and our pride is not yep. too big to do it again. We'll do it again in a heartbeat. and We'll gladly do it. We'll do it on spaces. We'll do it. We'll go to Magoogan and apologize if you want us to. But right now, Vanderbilt fans feel duped and you need to do something. Yeah, that's perfectly put, Trevor. I mean, we bought in. We bought in as much as Vanderbilt fans can. And I think a lot of the negative comments from me overall before we get into the cocktail break are because it's not that I'm going to stop going to games. I'm still going to be there because I'm I'm insane. I, I love it. There's something beautiful about the misery and purgatory of Vanderbilt athletics that I'm drawn to. But I get I get why casual fans don't want to go to games. I understand you finally and TDR was a part of it. There was a lot of community outreach from the university, but people like to support winning. I've said it multiple times. Stadium upgrades are nice, but people sit on plastic and wood milk crates if it means watching a winning product. And for years and years and years, excluding the James Franklin era, Vanderbilt fans had been deprived of a winning product. And we thought things were different with Clark. I don't think that I expected a full, you know, rocket ship style trajectory, but we thought things were changing. And for now, it seems that we bought into another snake oil salesman. So before we get into the Kentucky preview, it's now time to grab yourself a cold one because damn, you need it. I can tell you that I might grab me one too. And Trevor might be cracking open a cold I'm one. Just, I'm a I'm a water and diet coke man on the pod, but bro, I, we've we got a Miller and we do, it. This TDR cocktail break is still unsponsored, but we have some things in the works right now. Some new sponsors in the works, so maybe next week's TDR cocktail break will be sponsored. But for now, grab yourself a cold one 
and we will be right back. Welcome back from the TDR cocktail break. Trevor actually has a beer in his hand, a Michelob Ultra. I am shocked. This means this is about to get interesting. I'm not a, I'm not a drink. I'm not a real drinker. Not a real drinker at all. Trevor's not. I am. So, nice balance. The force, the yin and the yang. I wanted to say yin and yang, but I don't think people would get the uh, reference there. I don't know what that reference is from. Uh, it's from Entourage. Oh, I never his watched law- that well, show, but I I'm know sure it's show. I'm sure it's from other things, but his lawyer in the show Entourage says yin and yang. Or maybe it's from Silicon Valley. I don't know. Whatever. HBO. That's show. irrelevant. Prestige HBO show. We have ahead of us a brief Kentucky preview and then me and Trevor's three keys to the game and me and Trevor's predictions. Before we get into the Kentucky preview, I want to add in one thing I forgot to add in before the TDR cocktail break, and that is the transfer portal argument and voices and yelling from Vanderbilt fans about attacking the transfer portal more heavily. And this is where we're on opposite sides. Is number one, absolutely, Vanderbilt needs to be pursuing their options in the transfer portal more aggressively. 100% without a doubt. Okay? So I have to add that in at first because people will take out of context the next thing I'm going to say. I was a graduate assistant in Tennessee Tech University's business office. I communicated a lot with the admissions department. Tennessee Tech is a mid-major public school transferring in is a nightmare with credits now if a an elite level athlete was trying to transfer in i'm sure tennessee tech could work with them i'm sure these other public universities can work with them however vanderbilt is restricted 10x in the transfer portal more than they are recruiting seniors in high school and incoming freshmen because Incoming freshmen have not already picked a major, number one. So they don't have to worry about credits transferring in, which I know most people think is a joke, but at Vanderbilt, I promise it's probably not a joke. Number two, Vanderbilt does not have an undergraduate business program. That's a big effing deal. I'm not going to drop too many F-bombs. I've already dropped a couple, quoting Clark Lee. Most student-athletes are business majors. I hate to tell people, most of them are marketing, business management, whatever it is. Most are not finance or accounting, but most are bullshit business majors. Vanderbilt does literally doesn't have the option to bring in juniors that already have two years of credits from a business major. Vanderbilt cannot bring them in because they have human organizational growth and development. They don't have business. Shout out to the HOD program. They have a graduate business program where you can get your master's of finance or you can get your MBA, master's of... They don't have an undergraduate business program that's not emphasized enough on top of the more rigorous academic standards that I'm sure Vanderbilt has for transfers. Vanderbilt is in a bad position in the transfer portal, just like other private universities, on top of having the issues of credits typically struggle to transfer between public and private institutions. They just do. Oh, is it possible? You're seeing that struggle from other private institutions like Wake Forest, Stanford, Northwestern. Every single private institution in a major conference is struggling horrifically in the transfer portal era. So I agree. Vanderbilt and Clark Lee need to be pursuing the transfer portal more aggressively. But Vanderbilt fans also have to understand that's just not an option the same way for Vanderbilt that it is for Colorado. It's not the same that it is for any other public institution 
or most other private institutions because Vanderbilt doesn't have some undergraduate programs. There's a lot more to this. So I agree with you on your take of the transfer portal, I think, at its core. But there's a lot more caveats and context that truly have to go into it than most Vanderbilt fans are just like, bring in more transfers. I'm like, that's why Clark is trying to build a program that is from freshmen. He can't say it publicly, but he wants to say the university makes it literally impossible to bring in a large number of transfers like we're seeing across the country. And and I do agree with you as awesome as it would be to have a Dion come in and just say, Hey, you guys went one in 11 or Oh, and 11 or one in 11 last year. Um, you guys aren't getting it done. I do agree. That is, that's not the way that you can do it at Vanderbilt. With that being said, I think that only bringing in two transfers is unacceptable. And I, I, I understand what you're saying with the no, and I, I totally Both agree. can be true. Both can be true. And, and so this is where I stand. I, I agree. Vanderbilt does not have an under an undergrad business program. Do what Duke is doing. Like Duke brought in nine transfers this, this off season. They also don't have an undergraduate business program. Uh, you don't need to flip the entire yeah. roster, but to not address problem areas on the team in the era of the transfer portal is, in my opinion, there's no other way to say it other than lazy. Yep. That's my don't you don't have to flip the entire roster, but to just bring in and, and we love Prince Collie. I cannot wait for him to get healthy. Probably going to be a red shirt. Yes, I, I cannot wait to finally see him the last four games. To only bring in Prince Collie and that uh, Nizir kid who that ended up decommitting and going to Washington like 48 hours later, no excuse. You knew what you had in the secondary. Unacceptable not to attack it harder in the transfer portal. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. No excuses. 100% agree. That's why I added in the context of Vanderbilt needs to be pursuing the transfer portal more aggressively, yeah. but it's time. You can't to, do what Colorado does. It's not possible. It literally is impossible at Vanderbilt. But moving on to the Kentucky preview, the Kentucky Wildcats, 3-0, and haven't really played anybody yet. So it's kind of hard to evaluate truly this Kentucky team. They have so far, they're 3-0 and with wins in blowout fashion over Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, and a 35-3 to win over Akron last week. Kentucky right now is a 14-point favorite over Vanderbilt. Familiar names, running back Ray Davis. Ray Davis. I think all Vanderbilt fans remember him. I have in parentheses, we know him. Vanderbilt fans know what to expect from the running back position. Quarterback Devin Leary, uh, 855 passing yards so far through three games, 61.7% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, three picks, played really well in their win over Akron last week as a transfer. From North Carolina State against Akron, 16 to 26 for 315, three touchdowns and one pick. At wide receiver, Kentucky has Tavion Robinson, a transfer from Virginia Tech, leads the team with 14 receptions and 260 yards and three receiving touchdowns. Also, a couple of names to keep an eye on Barry on Brown and Dane Key. Barry on Brown, local kid, yep. home, North Nashville, shout out. At tight end, Jordan Dingle kind of had a breakout game. Four catches for 89 yards last week against Akron. On the defensive side of the ball, Kentucky pretty strong at the linebacker position. Will linebacker Trevin Wallace leads the SEC in quarterback sacks with three and a half and is sixth in the SEC with 24 tackles. That's about all the preview I have for Kentucky. I don't want to get too bogged down. This is already going to be a relatively long episode, but anything else you want to add about the Kentucky Wildcats going into this game? 
Um, I do want to bring up Barry on Brown a little bit. I think he's going to absolutely dust this secondary. Kid's a burner. Um, hasn't really gotten it going um, on offense so far. I did watch a couple. I didn't. I I'll, I did not watch Kentucky games in their entirety, but I I watched um, the third quarter of the Eastern Kentucky game, and I watched um, the first quarter and a little bit of the second versus Akron offense. Looks like it's having a little bit of a tough time getting in mojo, but with their Vanderbilt defense, they should honestly have no issue. I'm um, really where I want to focus on the secondary. You brought up the middle linebacker, outside linebacker, J.J. Weaver. Uh, I've really liked what I've seen from him. He's going to be a game wrecker, and then particularly the boundary corner, Andrew Phillips. Um, he's he's a boundary corner, but from what I've seen from him, I think he's a lurker. So he's going to follow Will Shepard on whichever side of the field, whether it's left or right. I think wherever Shep goes, I think Andrew Phillips is going to follow him. Yeah. I I mean, what surprised me a little bit, I watched some Kentucky. I watched, I have not watched any of their matchups as I assumed they would dust. Freaking Miller wanted to watch the entire Eastern Kentucky Jesus game. Jesus Christ. Ball <laughs> State, watch. Eastern Kentucky. Oh, yeah, well, we wanted to watch Kentucky or Tennessee, Virginia. He's like, let's watch. Yeah, let's watch let's Kentucky. Watch Kentucky. <laughs> but Shout out Miller. We Kentucky love that guy. has statistically ranks near the top of the country in yards per play at number five, 7.9 yards per game. Uh, they throw the ball a lot. They don't run the ball a lot. I know that's a little surprising to Vanderbilt fans uh, as Kentucky, but they rank number 115 in the country in rush play percentage. Kentucky only runs the ball 41% of the time. They throw the ball 59% of the time. That's a shocking 19th statistic. in the country in pass play percentage. So that does not bode well for Vanderbilt. We have our three keys to the game. Any last things you want to add before we get into our three keys? I'm going to be at the game. There's no way in hell I was going to let a Kentucky fan no. sit in me and my dad's spot. Me and Tommy will be there bright and early. It's always go doors. It was never the Wildcats, but yeah. I'm also too, I, all off season long, I, uh, I got a Facebook marketplace, this very mint condition 1982 gold Vanderbilt um, Hall of Fame jersey. And I'm going to wear it Saturday. And I was, I was thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, a hype game going to Kentucky wearing this sick gold throwback jersey. Um, I think I'm still going to wear it, but it doesn't have any juice. I almost want to put it on ice and wait to like wear it during a big game. And I, I might just wear a polo, but I don't know. Who knows? I hope Vanderbilt worth gold for this game. I doubt they have gold jerseys because his equipment staff hates me and Clark Lee hates me and all of Vanderbilt athletics hates me. So I doubt they have them, but who knows? With it being uh, honoring the 2008 Music City Bowl team, they'll probably wear all black with gold lids, which is a great look, but I would love um, gold jerseys. So, But those guys hate me, so they're not going to bring it back, but whatever. All right, Trevor, what's your key number one of the game? Key number one of the game, uh, Nick Howell, don't suck. Uh, so let's go over to you, Will. Yeah, my key number one is going to be the same key number one I think I've had the last two weeks, and that's going to be win the turnover battle because Vanderbilt has not done that at all. Uh, Vanderbilt ranks 97th in the country in turnover margin at negative 0.7 thus far throughout the year. So win the turnover battle and you might have a chance, but I don't really expect that to happen as I have seen no evidence that this team is well coached and efficient so far. Yeah. Quick. My key number two. Yeah, we're blowing through these keys. I mean, there's nothing... Yeah, my, it's so it's funny. This, it's such it's similar just, keys. It's, it's just this. It, this is this really is a Sisyphusian season to where it's just we say the same thing over and over again. Like, this is the key. You have to do this, and then we say it, and they just don't do it. Like I know they're not listening to us, but it's just it's the most. 
You're like, oh yeah, they're don't obvious. don't turn the ball over is the most cliche thing in all of football. And they're like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna turn over the ball. We're gonna do that. So with that being said, my key number two is I don't know. I block somebody, the offensive line, not clear a gap for the running backs, maybe take some pressure off Swan. I don't know. That's my key number two. So my key number two is an offensive line. Don't suck. So over to you, Will. I'm glad you gave the offensive line as a key because I think that's a given at this point with how poorly they've performed. I tried to mix up my key number two and key number three because I think I've had the offensive line every single week so far. My key number two is third downs. Third down conversion percentage right now. This Kentucky offense ranks 14th in the country, converting almost 53% of third downs. I already read off the stat earlier. Vanderbilt's defense ranks 124th in the country, giving up over 52% of third down conversions to their opponent. So it's a battle of a very good team on third down and a very bad defense on third down. Vanderbilt has to perform well in third down situations. Defense simply has to get off the field against this Kentucky offense. It's not that complicated. Easier said than done but win the turnover battle and win third downs so far are my keys, which I know are obvious, but those are kind of things you have to do. And they're just not doing it. And they're just not doing them. They're horrendous. They're bottom 10 in the country in, in third down defense. So something has to change a lot more questions than answers right now, but that's a huge concern. It's just this defense getting off the damn field. My key number one was uh, Nick Howell, don't suck. I'm going to actually nix that. So I'm actually going to only go with two keys of the game. So forget what I said for number one. My key number three of the game is uh, Clark Lee, call the defense. Relieve Nick Howell of his duties. You don't have to say it to the public. He can still be there as an analyst, whatever the hell you want to call him to make him feel good. Uh, Yeah, my key number three is uh, Clark. This is really bad, and you probably should have started calling the defense last week. But you know what? It's a new week, new Vanderbilt team. Probably not. Probably the same old that we've been dealing with all year. Same old, same old. I don't want to say SOV. I hate that term, but Clark, I really want to say it. So, Clark, key number three, call the defense. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's your job. And this team sucks. Yeah. I like that key number three. My key number three, I was battling between two. You already brought up the offensive line. So my key number three is going to be special teams. Two out of the four games so far, special teams has turned the ball over and changed the momentum and outlook of the entire game. After they looked amazing the first two. That just cannot happen. Both of the losses so far on the season, Vanderbilt sitting at two and two, both the losses have had terrible, terrible special teams turnovers that have stolen possessions from this Vanderbilt offense and stolen field position from an already outgunned and outmatched Vanderbilt defense. So special teams has to be flawless. Special teams needs to be an advantage. I'm not even getting into the Priscilla missed 31 yard field goal to lose the game. My heart broke for him, but too. Spe- Whenever he did that, I was like... First off, yeah. setting up conservatively for the field goal He's that every Vanderbilt fan watching knew was going to be missed and setting it up on the right hash 
was crazy. Yeah. Was crazy and stupid and a poor coaching decision to be conservative. You cannot win as a conservative coach at Vanderbilt. You just can't. But that's my key number three is special teams. Vanderbilt has to win the special teams battle. Good returners in Jaden McGowan and Will Shepard cannot make mistakes in special teams. Wesley cannot have bad snaps. Good punts. Priscilla Maker kicks. Very simple. But once again, easier said than done, Trevor. It's about time for our predictions. We blew through that. We I don't did. Think, I don't think there's anything that, and I don't think there's anything else that needs to be said. No, I mean, what? We're not needs, gonna, what like, what are we gonna do? Are, are we gonna be like, oh, we need to break this down, and we need to do this X, Y, and Z, idiot? Like Vanderbilt, we know you guys aren't idiots. Like you, y'all know what this team needs to do, and it nothing really needs to be said. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into that. It's like, yeah. Exactly. I think it's time to move. Just do your job. Do, do your job. Vanderbilt has, is two and two, but has had four bad performances so far on the year. They have not even done the basic things for even three or two quarters of a game. I just want to see four quarters of normal, decent football. And so far, we've seen four games with basically 14, 13 quarters of bad football with about three quarters of good football mixed in. So the simple things sometimes are the answer. And right now Vanderbilt's just not doing the simple things. Nope. Moving on to predictions, Trevor, what do you got? Oh God. I just have a really bad feeling. This is going to be a really bad game. I just, just Ray Davis revenge game. They're going to run it down our throats, and there's nothing we're going to be able to do to stop it. And so I've, I've got an awful feeling about it. Um, my prediction is Kentucky 38, Vanderbilt 24. And it's just going to Damn be it. it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Would you think I was going to be positive? Now it's just it's funny because, Trevor, that's my exact prediction. Is it really? Yeah. Well, it's going to happen then. Yep. 38-24, which is the best sign for Vanderbilt is that me and Trevor both have almost no hope and see Kentucky winning by two-plus scores. I just, with both teams playing styles, I expect Kentucky to be able to do pretty much whatever they want yeah. on offense. Um, and I think Vanderbilt will put together a couple scoring drives. I think Vanderbilt's offense has enough talent to make some big plays happen and getting scoring position, but I see no way that this Vanderbilt defense holds Kentucky to under. 35 points. This defense couldn't stop a nosebleed if they had all the tissue paper in the world. Lock it into the Zen. 38-24 and 38-24. Me and Trevor have the exact same prediction. Kentucky 38, Vanderbilt 24. I'm locking mine in on the Zen. We're both locked in. It's this locked is the in. Zen of destiny. It's locked in. The death is an E. The outlook is bleak. The horizon is not bright. Trevor, anything anything you want to add to Vanderbilt fans before we close it out here? Do we want to go through their tweets or we just want to call it a day? Yeah, let's run well, through. Let's can, run through some predictions. Week, yeah, yeah, we didn't do it last week. Let me get uh, the tweet we put out pulled up. I think everybody is on this is on the same vibe. As yeah, us. there are some pretty similar to what we said predictions. I'll run through Braden McPherson, TDR staff member here. McPherson. McPherson. I'm bad at names. Trevor. It's okay. Hewlin. Hewlin. Uh, Braden said, doors will win because I won't be in attendance. Usually how it works. Uh, Coach Marshall at Hogan Nose said, we lose. <laughs> uh, 
Mark McNulty, tier our, one, day one. Our eternal ray of optimism. Our, our eternal <laughs> ray of sunshine. I love says, that guy. I have no earthly idea which Vanderbilt team shows up against Kentucky. We keep turning it over. Vandy will get blown out. Limit turnovers, and we might have a chance. That sticks pretty pretty close to my keys to the game right there. Don't yep. turn the ball over, and you might have a chance. But just do your job. Haven't haven't shown any Vanderbilt fans so far this year that that is a possibility. Eric Park simply says L. <laughs> kind of agree. Scott Paneer, a ray of sunshine, says, I'm just praying that we can pull off a miracle. Keep praying, brother. And two of them at age agent Ocho eight says whatever the spread is, Kentucky will beat us by double that. So he's predicting a twenty eight point Vanderbilt loss. William Johnson at B Willie nineteen Johnson says, "Don't turn the ball over with a face palm emoji." I agree. Yep, I agree. William Johnson. Uh, Luke says, "I want to believe, but they have to give me a reason to believe." Thirty one seventeen cats. Uh, Fire Low T Lee at Ghost of Woody. <laughs> great, great, great name. <laughs> says 31 to 10 Kentucky. Uh, UK Memes says, if it makes you feel better as a Kentucky van, I'm very unconfident about this. What the hell part of this team makes you unconfident? I don't know, but Kentucky fans do kind of have a similar outlook on football to Vanderbilt fans as if the impending doom and the impending doom and the ticking sands of time will inevitably bring dark moments. Well, I think Kentucky fans have that with them. The like only the do. only thing that gives me a glimmer of hope is that over the past year, we absolutely own Kentucky in everything. That is the only thing that gives me hope. And I it makes me doesn't even give me hope my prediction is wrong, but it makes me think maybe a glimmer of sunshine that maybe we just own Kentucky. If we win, I don't even think I'm going to be happy. I just think it's going to be hilarious. I, I like, think... I'm not even, I'm not going to find any joy out of it. I'm just going to find so much humor. I'm going to be like, this is the, this is literally the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I will have, life. I will have the laughter and outlook. I will be cackling like the Joker because nothing makes sense anymore. Stoopsy blue at Stoopsy blue says UK 42 Vandy 10. I could see it going that way, but I think Vanderbilt scores at least 17 points. I think the offense can move the ball. Uh, Nashville Steelers says 41-17 cats. Wise guy at Yo-Yo Bada-Bing says Kentucky a lot, Vanderbilt not a lot. And the anchorman at Primal Ways, be the last one I read here, says I hate this. 31-14 cats. Please make me wrong. Did our homie Justin Kemp not give us a prediction? Uh, he did. Oh, let me read it here. Justin Kemp says, I took the wake loss hard. I was almost that asshole that predicted UNLV to beat us, but I still thought we'd pull it out by three. Now I'm completely broken. I don't think we'll go two and ten, but IDK where the win will be. This week I say 38-24 Kentucky. Damn, that encapsulates exactly That's how I feel. Exactly how I feel. I, 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 I actually I don't think they go three and nine though. I think it's two and two. Yeah, see, this is where I think Vanderbilt will win one or two SEC games. I I truly do. I think the SEC is down. I think they have four very winnable games on the horizon in Florida, Missouri, Kentucky, and Auburn. I think they will win one or two. I don't know which of those games they will win, but I think they'll win one or two of them. I'm not going to be predicting a win for any of them, unless I see something tangible change on the field. I think me and you both are sitting with, show me. What have I seen lately? And it hasn't been a lot on the green out there. So Trevor, 
I think it's about time to close out episode 239. For myself, Will Byram, and my co-host Trevor Shulin, this has been episode 239 of The Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty.